Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is week one recap, and I'm your host, Alex, joined by just one host. We're a little short staffed tonight because Mr. J.B. Brooks has to study for some kind of test. So me and the GOAT host, Holt Smash in the house. Holt Smash, what's up? Uh, not too much, Alex. Just uh, enjoying a nice uh, a nice win over a top 10 team on the road, which is uh, few and far between for us Mississippi State fans. Um, but very excited, and um, it's a beautiful night here in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, um, barbecue capital of the world. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. How are you doing? Dude, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right right now. Um, I was excited to do this podcast uh, with you specifically because I knew I, if I was talking to Holt today, it would be a happy Holt coming off that big win um in lsu how how did you um i know you're watching the game but like how did you feel about the entire game i mean what at what point were you like man we actually we have a good offense like mike leach actually might be able to do all right here in uh, scc yeah well i mean i i had had faith in mike leach um to you know kind of turn things around um but uh you know I, i guess as far as like them winning the game on saturday you know, probably like right before halftime, uh, you know, KJ Costello had thrown a pick six in the first half, and uh, LSU had taken the lead and for State to come back and, uh, you know, regain the lead in the, you know, early in the first half and uh, add a small lead at halftime. I feel like it could have been a little bit more, but, you know, just to overcome that first uh, LSU momentum swing was huge. And, uh, you know, it felt like State was doing some things in the passing game to uh, those really giving LSU a hard time. The big takeaway that everyone's saying from this game specifically is uh, Mike Leach, the air raid offense, working in SEC, KJ Costello throwing for 600 yards, Colin Hill uh, having 150 yards receiving and only like 30 yards rushing. But um, I was curious to have, hear your take on LSU because uh, we knew there would be a drop-off from last year's team with everyone leaving, everyone opting out, but – I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I said this, and but I guess it wasn't a consensus. I thought there was going to be a bigger drop off, and you know them being ranked in the top ten at number six seemed a little high for me. I mean, I guess that was just a little bit too much respect from last year's team. Yeah, no, it definitely was, and I mean, to be honest, LSU is overhyped most years. Um, yeah, yeah, they are. You know, a lot of people just look at recruiting rankings and uh, you know things like that. And, uh, you know, those things are important, but, you know, 
typically uh, LSU and, you know, a few other teams are just going to get the benefit of the doubt in the preseason rankings. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of people really underestimated uh, how much of a drop-off those are really going to be. And really, I think a lot of people underestimate what a lightning in a bottle season last year was for LSU and how really just everything came together perfectly for them. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that people were maybe just a little, um, I guess, too, uh, I don't know what the word is, like optimistic about this season with uh, with everything that they lost. We know they lost uh, a lot of receivers, but what was your takeaway on Miles Brennan and how he looked? He, uh, he had 345 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. I didn't think he looked like he was really ready for a big-time SEC defense or SEC game. No, and I mean, especially, you know, that first quarter, he looked awful. He looked like a deer in the headlights. And, uh, you know, the pass rush was getting after him. That's that. You know, Go ahead. I had a little, little advertisement who was uh, about to play. I had to tell him, wait till, wait till later. Nice little pause, but we weren't there yet. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he, he really started to settle in um, later on in the game. Uh, made some good throws. You know, he missed some open guys early in the game or he didn't see them, and that led to some sacks and, um, you know, some uh, opportunities to get first downs and big plays that they didn't get in the first half. He was able to, you know, connect on in the second half. So, uh, you know, overall, he, he's not really the reason that they lost, but as good as Mississippi State's offense was playing, he had to be, like, almost perfect. And uh, Mississippi State's offense just got going a little bit earlier than than he got going. For sure. Uh, one bright spot on LSU's team that I really enjoyed watching for the limited action I did see is uh, Art Gilbert, their tight end. He looks like he is every bit of highly ranked as he should have been, or I guess he is deserving of the high ranking he received. Yeah, well, yeah. I stole that first touchdown pass. I don't know if that was actually intended for him or not, but he went and grabbed it anyway. Um, you know, d- definitely someone who we're going to be hearing a lot from you know, these next few years, as long as he's playing for LSU. Um, he's a really talented guy and, you know, big physical. Um, you know, especially if LSU decides they want to run the ball a little bit more um, and, you know, maybe bring an extra tight end on the field, you know, he could really hurt the defense in some of those formations um, in the passing game um, if, if they decide to go a little bit more that route. So uh, we'll, we'll see with that. Um, you know, they were – LSU really wasn't too committed to the run on Saturday, mostly because they were behind for a lot of the game. But, uh, you know, I don't know if, if that was their game plan or if that was just sort of, you know, the way they had to go because of, uh, you know, the way the game played out. Yeah, and Miles Brennan, um, he's only a junior. It's his first, like, real game. I mean, I think he's played a little bit before this, but, like, his first true start as the, like, leader of LSU. Uh, so, I mean, I, I still think there's obviously a lot of room to grow, but I still think he – um, can get better as the season progresses. I don't think, like, just because he played bad against uh, Mississippi State in his first game, that's just how it's going to play out. I still have a lot of uh, hope for him to do better towards the end of the year. Yeah, I do too. And I, I have hope for LSU as just in general to kind of turn their season around. You know, obviously not having Stingley in this game was huge. Um, you know, they, they were having some secondary um, depth issues to begin with. And when, you know, it, it came out that he wasn't going to be playing, you know, that really made my ears perk up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was last minute, right? Yeah. Well, it, it broke in the morning, you know, apparently he had some kind of illness, uh, not COVID related. Um, so it was, you know, it was a, a big deal because, 
you know, LSU lost a lot in their secondary from last year, and they got obviously some really highly recruited guys, but, you know, very inexperienced. And um, it, it was pretty obvious from the beginning that Bo Pelini's game plan was man coverage across the board, and they just thought that they could win one-on-ones and pressure the quarterback. Um, and they did pressure the quarterback pretty well, five sacks um, on the day. You know, they forced uh, – well, I guess one was a bad snap, but they, there was two fumbles and then two interceptions. Um, so the defense did make some plays in the game, but for the most part, uh, I think that the uh, lack of switching to zone coverage um, really, uh, really hurt LSU in this game, really put those in position. And in that fourth quarter, those LSU DBs were just absolutely gassed and missed yeah. big play after big play after big play. And, um, you know, they just didn't have – surprisingly – was the team that didn't have the depth in the fourth quarter, um, you know, to keep up. And, uh, you know, that's what Mike Leach's offense is going to do to you. You know, you're going to be running around the field all game, and those DBs are going to get tired in the second half. Probably the biggest beneficiary of Mike Leach being the coach at Mississippi State was, believe it or not, Kylan Hill. And I know it sounds crazy because um, running backs don't get used or don't necessarily have a lot of carries in the air raid offense. But when they do, um, you know, the defense isn't isn't expecting as much. So it's just nice because you have so much more room to run, bigger holes. But also, um, it really showcased his ability to ability to catch the ball and run after the catch on Saturday. And I think um, he probably did himself a lot of favors when it comes to getting drafted in the NFL later on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this last week. Um, you know, obviously, Colin has proven he can – run the ball in the SEC, led the SEC in rushing last year in the regular season. Um, and it's had a really good running the ball. And in this offense, he's really going to get to show – he, you know, on Saturday did showcase his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, make big plays, and pass protect as well. There was a, a big play in the first half on a safety blitz that he picked up and allowed K.J. Costello time to uh, make a good throw down the field. Um, that was one of the first big plays from Mississippi State in the game. So uh, he's really shown that he's a down back. And, uh, you know, obviously NFL teams are going to value that. You know, he can do everything in the running game, and then he's shown he can pass protect and catch the ball in the backfield, you know, yards after catch and run good routes. So, you know, all those things put together, and, you, you know, you got a complete running back. He had that uh, one big play. I only got to watch, like, the first half. I had a wedding to go to, unfortunately, on Saturday. Um, I guess, I mean, it was fun wedding, but it's also I didn't get to watch as much football, obviously, as I wanted to. But he had that one catch and run after the catch in the first half where, like, he, like, did a spin move and, like, juked out defender and, like, ended up going out of bounds, I think. But, man, it looks, like, unreal how shifty he was. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's a great player. He's first-team all-conference running back for a reason. And, um, you know, it was huge for Mississippi State to get him back this season. And he's a leader on the team. And, you know, he's their most dynamic player. And, um, you know, a lot of people were concerned about him in this offense. But, you know, I think it's been proven in week one that uh, they're not getting away from him. I mean, he's still the vocal, the focal point of the offense. For sure. All right, let's move on to other SEC games. First of all, you're are you just excited football is back and all seven SEC teams played in one day and there were no issues as of today or right now? Uh, from these games being played yeah absolutely I mean it was so exciting I mean uh there you know there were a few players who had to miss because of you know positive tests um you know all the games were played uh most teams were pretty much at full strength so um yeah I mean it was just great to see it was a great day of college football and 
you know, it just felt like normal again. I mean, I wish, you know, the stadiums could be filled, but, you know, watching on TV, you can't really tell too much of a difference. Um, but uh, it's it's really great. And, um, you know, I know I know all our listeners are excited, too. And I know people all over the southeastern part of the country, especially excited um, to have college football back and, you know, just just have something to look forward to, you know, on the weekends and, you know, take their mind away from all the drama going on in the world right now. Sure. Were the double TVs clutch on Saturday? Oh, yeah, they really were. Um, you know, we even had to set up a third one at, at a certain point because uh, there were so many games going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really was. Um, you know. I also ho- heard that the um, going hunger was not an issue in the slow smoked household on Saturday. It wasn't. Um, yeah, J- JB, um, our third member who couldn't be here tonight, um, decided to uh, smoke up some pork butts. So had a, had plenty of uh, barbecue. I went and got uh, McDonald's breakfast in the morning. Just, yeah. That's, <laughs> Top it off. That's like an old tradition for me. Like when I was a kid, um, I called Saturdays, <laughs> I would always get um, McDonald's breakfast before, you know, like game day and all that stuff. So I got up and I ran, you know, ran my six miles and uh, – rewarded myself with the with the mcdonald's put those calories right back in just like uh just like you said yeah. and uh, yeah you know it was it was good um you know i, I do love mcdonald's breakfast i actually like mcdonald's a lot more than most people do i mean i don't you do you do a lot of people talk shit about mcdonald's so i was wondering if you get offended when everybody just shits on McDonald's. no well i mean i don't consider it to be like five-star food or anything like that but i mean you know especially their breakfast is pretty good and i'm you know i can always go for a double quarter pounder and some fries the fries are good the breakfast is good for the most part i just don't i really don't want to know about like like well, what the eggs are are really or what the burgers really made of or anything like that right and then the other thing too is you gotta you know it's all about going to a good one because mcdonald's like the spectrum is very wide the good ones aren't that great but the bad ones are terrible. So as long as you terrible the, the really bad ones, yeah. you know you you can be okay. And the the one that I go to is you know it's a nicer one, the cleaner one. And uh, they have not screwed up my order since I've been going there. Uh, they do make me pull up sometimes because I order a lot of food. But they, <laughs> oh my god, we're not ready for this guy. <laughs> but they do uh, they do always remember to bring it out, which uh, has has been a problem at a few other places where I've had. Yeah, and they just like never bring it out, and I have to end up going inside. Like man, I don't... you know, at uh, at Chick Fil A, I don't even, I don't even check my bag. I just drive off and like just know that they got it right. Or I mean, if I if they got it wrong, then I just ordered wrong. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. Chick Fil A, you know, you're gonna get good customer service, but you know, sometimes you just want sometimes you just want that big greasy McDonald's burger or some, you know, a, a, a I think I got a sausage and egg McGriddle and a sausage McMuffin with egg, and uh, you know, of course, those hash browns are always good. So sure, definitely. Sure. I- like right, a five star meal, you know, just a little like game day tradition that uh, I, I decided you. to do to bring back the for the first Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait till we get our uh, own game day show and we'll have McDonald's in each college town to go to <laughs> for game day breakfast. That's right. All right, let's talk about some of the other SEC games. All right, so uh, big win for Mississippi State. Um, probably, probably the highlight of the entire SEC is that game. I mean, it was the game day or not game day, the CBS game of the week, and it did not disappoint, especially if you're a Mississippi State fan. Um, so KJ Costell obviously had a great game, 600 yards, five touchdowns, which is crazy, talking about Mississippi State quarterback doing that well, as you are very aware of. Uh, but do you think Kyle Trask had a better game with less yards, Holt? 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Costello deserves to be an offensive player of the week. I think he had the best game out of everyone, but it definitely was a huge game for Kyle Trask, and he was my uh, uh, my offensive player of the week prediction. Uh, if you remember on the on the preview, show. yeah, I did. So, uh, definitely, you know, feel like I made a good decision there. But uh, huge game for Trask: thirty for forty-two, four hundred sixteen yards, and six touchdown passes. So uh, definitely a really big game for him. And, uh, you know, of course, the, you know, the tight end, uh, Price. Oh, man, how did I forget his name? But, uh, anyway, he had a really big game. Uh, Pitts, actually. Uh, yeah. Pitts, you know, Pitts. eight catches for 170 yards and four touchdowns for a tight end. And that's a huge game. So, he's a total difference maker in that offense. And, um, you know, I, he's going to be someone really to watch out for going forward. And, um, you know, we'll get to Georgia in a little bit. But, uh, you know. Gaining through all the SEC East teams, I mean, it's really hard to not consider Florida the favorite right now in the East. I mean, they, they just look by far the best out of all the teams. You know, I'm not really sure what to make out of the Tennessee-South Carolina game either. I have a feeling that both of those teams could be really bad or they could both be decent. I really... <laughs> you never know, yeah. Um, what what are they doing with Emory Jones' hold at, at Florida? They, it reminds me of what um... – Kirby Smart did with uh, Justin Fields in Georgia before he um, took off to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really weird, uh, weird timing. Um, I, I didn't really understand what Dan Malone was doing. Um, I don't know if he just wants to get him on the field so he, like, won't transfer or if he's trying to bring back, like, the Tebow Chris Leak magic uh, from that 2006 season um, or what it is. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to say the least. Um, he did not look good when he was in the game and Trask was doing so well and the offense was really clicking with him in there. So I just don't understand any of that. Um, but... oh, hold on guys. Hold on guys. We got some, we got some more music going on. Hold on guys. We got some advertisement. Let me figure out which, which, uh, where it's coming from. All right. I think I got it. I think I got it. Yeah. We, we don't, uh, we don't cut anything. This is a hundred percent natural. Like, you know, Oh, oh, live. We don't, oh, we don't live, go back man. and edit anything. I mean, this is like you're getting like the authentic uh, show here for sure. That's what we pride ourselves on. We are authentic. It's absolutely true. And uh, you know who's really not authentic was uh, Ole Miss's defense, uh, especially the past defense. I tell you what, like me and JB were talking about this, but uh, ever since that 2014 uh, Ole Miss defense, uh, they've just been absolutely lost on that side of the ball. Um, and uh, it kind of negates a lot of good things we saw from Ole Miss's offense. Um but it, it really does seem like more of the same um, with uh, an explosive offense and just a really, really bad defense. Uh, Florida, pretty much yeah. whatever they wanted to, especially through the air. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss's secondary was was really uh, – had their head spin in the whole game. Holt, is uh, Elijah Moore going to be playing on Sundays? I'm checking through the stats, and I just – I don't know how this one slipped, but I see he got 220 yards off of 10 catches. That's some pretty good sound. Yeah, he's a big-time player. Um, He's only 5'9", though. That's the question. I mean, he could be Steve Smith-like, but normally uh, receivers under 5'10 don't get as much love. Yeah, well, as explosive as he is, he's definitely going to get a look in the NFL. And, um, you know, he was a highly recruited player as well, so – I mean, I think he'll get an opportunity, and it, it obviously was a huge game for him. Um, you know, didn't have any touchdowns, surprisingly, but had a, a bunch of big catches. And uh, Matt Corral was definitely looking for him, uh, mostly over the middle. And, um, you know, that's what we talk about when you're facing Todd Grantham defenses is you got to hit those big plays. And uh, 
Corral was able to do that, uh, you know, those long passes down the field. So um, that was, you know, pretty exciting to see for Ole Miss. Um, you know, 20, 31, you, 395 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. So huge Corral. Do you, do, you, do you think Corral is the right quarterback for Ole Miss? I know there's like maybe some quarterback controversy because John Rice Plumley is interesting to watch and fun to watch with uh, his ability to run as well. Uh, Matt Corral obviously might be – not obviously, but he might be the better passing quarterback, but John Rice Plumley might have more of the uh, playmaking. In yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of leaning towards they should probably go with Plumley, but, you know, I'm not at practice every day, and uh, Kiffin knows what he wants out of his offense. And, you know, they've got some really good receivers. And, uh, you know, if Corral is able to play like he did on Saturday, then, you know, he's going to get all those receivers involved and they're going to be able to use their whole offense. And then when Plumley's in the game – you know, he it might be a little bit more explosive than Corral, but, you know, he's kind of going to have to be like a one-man show. So, um, I think with Corral, you kind of get access to the whole offense. And, um, you know, with Jerry Neely in the backfield, kind of carry, you know, things on the ground. Um, you know, he didn't have as good of a game as I think he probably had hoped, but there are Ole Miss fans that hoped he would have, um, you know, just uh, 79 yards on 16 carries. Uh, but, you know, he saw he's a good player and, um, you know, like I said, when you're facing Todd Grantham, you're going to want to hit those big plays in the passing game. He's usually not going to allow you to sustain too much on the ground. Um, and they, they were able to do that. It's just that their defense, you know, obviously was not up to the challenge of facing Florida's offense, and that, that was really the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, my takeaway from this game is uh, Florida looks good. They, they look like they're the most reliable team, maybe even the SEC. I'm definitely in the East, but uh, – possibly even in the whole SEC right now. I mean, Mississippi State obviously had a nice win against LSU, but um, still want to see that consistency week over week. We, we just don't know for sure if that's going to hold up. But you knew Florida was going to be good coming into the year, and they've looked um, pretty pretty high floor, I guess is what I would say for Florida. And that's what we always say for Dan Mullen teams. They come out as consistent and reliable. It may not be necessarily like great or – just be dominating like Alabama teams can be, but um, very consistent. And if I was a Florida fan, I'd be very happy against uh, what they looked like on Saturday against Ole Miss. And the other thing I was going to say is that Ole Miss, on the other end, they they lost, but I think they immediately looked better than they did last year under Matt Luke with Lane Kiffin. I know it's just one game and they did lose, but I still think they looked better. Their defense still has trouble, obviously, but I just – I think – they look better than they did last year. Did you did you think that at all, Holt, or do you think they like still have so much work to do on defense that it doesn't even matter how? how no, they, they look way better. Um, you know, I mean, defensively, I guess it's about the same, but offensively, they're much more balanced than they were last year. Um, you know, Rich Rodriguez is uh, you know exciting, and um, you know, obviously with Plumley was you know create a lot of explosive plays in the running game. Hiffins definitely got a much more. Um, you know, balanced attack, and they're going to be able to get yards to the air or on the ground. Um, and that's obviously much more, you know, desirable, especially in the SEC um, when you're facing uh, teams that can really stop the run. So um, being able to have, uh, you know, an offense like that that can stretch the field in the, in the passing game like they're able to do, um, definitely much better than uh, last year under Matt Luke. And, you know, I'm still not really sure how Matt Luke was an SEC coach for as long as he was because – Maybe he didn't, yeah. Yeah. but it's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, 
Fill in this blank hole. Uh, Kentucky missed touchdown call was the worst missed call or worst call by an SEC ref or by a ref since what? I mean, I would just go back to the Mississippi State Alabama game from 2018. And oh, has yeah. Well, I mean, I was that. That's obviously what's going to stand out to me, but. You know, I've seen a lot of bad calls. Um, I'm not really too sure what the officials were seeing on that play. Um, that was a huge play in the game. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to say that, that play decided the game because I don't think it did because Kentucky really shot themselves in the foot in the fourth quarter. But uh, that was a huge play in the game, and um, also did not like the targeting call um, on the interception return for a touchdown. I thought those were both bad calls. Um, you know, and it, it really isn't even a makeup call. I don't think because you know. The first one just should have been a touchdown to begin with, and the second play should have never happened. But um, that being said, um, it's really, really frustrating loss if you're Kentucky. I mean, that, that's one of those games you feel like you definitely were in and, you know, really had a shot to win. And if it wasn't for that call and then, you know, obviously those mistakes in the fourth quarter, that would have been a really close game. So, um, you know, you really feel for Kentucky fans. Um, you know, someone who didn't really watch that game would probably assume that it wasn't a close game. But uh, they really held their own on the, both lines of scrimmage. Um, they ran through uh, Auburn's defensive line pretty well and, um, you know, ha- had some good plays on defense as well. It really just came down to uh, they could, they were turning the ball over and they couldn't convert their red zone opportunities into touchdowns, and Auburn was able to convert their, convert their red zone opportunities into touchdowns. And, um, you know, that was really the difference in the game. And I thought it was pretty evenly played. Yeah, very um, upsetting for Kentucky. I think, I mean, I know that the game was 29 to 13 final score, but that was a big uh, momentum shifter at the end of the half or whenever it was, the interception. That uh, was maybe because they didn't allow the touchdown or they didn't call a touchdown first. But um, takeaway for me is uh, I think you have some comfort level for for Auburn fans if uh, – as with Bo Nix as your starting quarterback. I think he I think he did pretty well. He didn't have, like, this fantastic stat line. But um, I just think you you don't have a quarterback controversy or quarterback question who your leader should be at this point. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, we knew they were going to struggle a little bit on the offensive line, but he does have some really solid receivers to throw the ball to. Obviously, Seth Williams had a huge day. Um, and that one, that one touchdown catchy, however, he flexed on the DB was, uh, was pretty – that was so disrespectful. I was watching that. I was like, man, that just basically called him. It, it really was. And, uh, you know, but he's he's a really good player. Um, you know, and he's got some other targets, you know, Eli Stove and uh, Anthony Schwartz. Eli Stove, I'm pretty sure, has been there since, like, Cam Newton was a quarterback. But uh, they they have a pretty <laughs> solid group of receivers for him to throw to. The offensive line was, you know, it, it was not good. But, you know, they, they weren't terrible. And, um, you know, Kentucky's defensive line is pretty good. They they limited the run game of Auburn pretty well. But uh, Bo Nix and those receivers were able to, you know, get some big plays in the passing game. And, um, you know, a couple of fourth-quarter turnovers by Kentucky on their own end really did them in. Um, you know, wasn't for that, then uh, I think that Kentucky may have won the game. We've had some good uh, names in the SEC over the years. We, we really liked Keyshawn Vaughn a lot. I forgot there was another one that we liked that we and there's another that we liked a couple years ago and there was there's a player this year we like uh, I forgot who we said a, a couple podcasts ago who, who what his name was or who what his name was and what what uh, we like it or whatever because it's a football name but there were 
I say that because I really like the running back from Kentucky Smoke. I li- like that name a lot. Yeah, Cabossier Smoke. That is, uh, that is a very, uh, very great name. That's that's an A plus name right there. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't want to butcher the first name, so I I, I stayed away from it. But I, I saw, and I don't know if he's because I don't remember him playing last year. He's a sophomore. Um, looking up now, he's a sophomore, so I don't know how much he really played last year. But um, I saw that name come up on like ESPN on the crawler whenever they were showing like the, whoever had the touchdowns for Kentucky, and I saw that. I was like, man, that's a that's a real good football name. No, it really is. And he did play a little bit last year, but uh, you know, definitely, it's hard to forget a name like that. That's for sure. All right, let's talk about other games. Um, well, we'll kind of combine two here. Uh, more disappointing hole, Texas. A&M you know, I'm actually going to say Georgia. Uh, oh, that's a tough one because yeah, I mean, and you look at the final score, and you know, it's not pretty, and you know, the game really wasn't pretty, but it, it was never really in doubt for AM. I mean, I feel like you know there were a few times in the game where it was really frustrating, and you know, you got to give Derek Mason and Vanderbilt some credit. They really came to play. Uh, our boy Seals uh, actually had a pretty good debut. Um, as a true freshman, so that was exciting to see um, in his home state. Uh, was was efficient, didn't really get any big plays, but, uh, you know, I thought he looked all right. And um, as far as A&M goes, you know, yeah, you would have liked to see them win this game more convincingly. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it was never really in doubt. Um, I thought that they controlled the game. It was just, you know, they, they didn't – they weren't as explosive on offense as I think we'd all hoped they'd be. Um Part of me is just kind of hoping that maybe they're just trying to save everything for Alabama next week, and that's really forward to. Um, but Georgia, on the other hand, uh, offensively was very disappointing. Um, you know, can we give any credit to Arkansas? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would give some credit to Barry Odom, um, Arkansas's defensive coordinator. Um, he he really did a good job, and he's a really good coach. And I think that that was a really good hire by them. Um, and it, it was really impressive to see uh, them play that well in the first half. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, Georgia's offense was just abysmal. And, um, you know, I think that uh, if they had really any sort of game plan or execution, that they should be able to move the ball in Arkansas. And um, really, if it wasn't for Arkansas's offense, uh, having some really bad turnovers, uh, like – yeah, Felipe if it wasn't right? for a couple of really bad turnovers by Arkansas, uh, Arkansas's offense, then I think that, you know, Georgia really could have been in for a long day, um, you know. But, unfortunately, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, Georgia's defense was incredible. They might be the best defense in the country this year. Uh, they were absolutely unstoppable. And um, it was really exciting to see them play so well. But, um, you know – Offensively, they are they they're not up to par right now, and it's really crazy to see with the amount of talent that they have for them to be that. Um, yeah. Was was it the right move to pull Mathis when yeah. uh, Kirby Smart did? He, he looked lost him earlier. He couldn't complete a pass, and it was just a uh, it, it was just a really bad a really bad performance by him. Unfortunately, I, I was really pulling for him. Um, you know, game day did a special on him, and uh, he seems like a really good kid. Um, I was really pulling for him, but he just – it was not there. The accuracy was not there. Decision-making was not there. And, um, you know, also really surprised they couldn't get a run game going. Uh, but, you know, we'll just see – we'll see where it goes. But uh, I'm kind of worried about the Georgia offense right now. 
Yeah, well, uh, lucky for them, I just see, I just saw that JC Daniels should be playing Saturday uh, uh, versus Auburn. I'm assuming he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't think they're going to have another starting quarterback over him now. The way the uh, Mathis looks, uh, Bennett, the other guy looks all right, but like I don't know what he, what even would have been like the third or maybe fourth string quarterback because they at one point had the um, Wake Forest grad transfer in there and he would have been like the second string or maybe the first string. I don't know, but um, I doubt uh, anybody except for JC Daniels to be the quarterback. So maybe, well, I mean, we'll get to the preview next week or this week, later this week uh, against Auburn, but maybe they'll look a lot better with JT Daniels under center as opposed to. Uh, yeah, Memphis I think, and I mean, you got to give Bennett some credit. I mean, he did come in and, uh, you know, at least manage the game. Well, um, you know, he was very efficient 20 of 29 for 211 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. So, you know, he, he was able to come in and kind of stabilize things a little bit. Um, but still, the fact that Georgia couldn't get the running game going is, is concerning for me. And, um, you know, they also had a hard time getting Pickens involved. He had the one touchdown catch, but other than that, it was pretty much held in check. So, uh, you know, there definitely some concerns about this Georgia offense. Getting JT Daniels cleared is huge. Um, yeah. Well, so what was the issue? Like, I'm still trying to wrap my head. No, is it's it, an like, injury. He had an ACL injury last year. Um, and uh, he, he's been practicing, but he's been no contact. And uh, he was finally cleared uh, today to uh, to play this week. Um, I, I wonder if there was a coincidence yeah. with uh, how say, I feel like uh, there might have been versus... a little bit of pressure put on the team doctor there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it, it yeah, should exactly. be, you know, it should be better obviously i mean it can't get much worse um from the quarterback play next week so i do expect him to get the start and uh he's a really talented player um so it'll be interesting to see if they can uh look a little bit better on offense and get pickens a little bit more involved on the outside it will be uh rock bottom later on in the season when Arkansas fans are booing Felipe Franks uh, and wanting the backup to come in for uh, from where he started his career to where he is now. And I just – I don't know, like, how much longer he can be the Arkansas quarterback. I mean, you, you know, obviously Georgia's defense is good, so we there is that. And, like, I just – I don't know. I have hope for him to be better, but it's just like every time I watch him, he doesn't do anything to make me think otherwise of him just not being an accurate or a good quarterback. They even like the I was watching a little bit of this game in the first half and like even the throws he was making or I don't know if this is like the game calling, but like he wasn't making deep passes. They were like very short, like three or four yard passes and letting the receiver take off. It wasn't anything deep. No, and uh, he did have the one long touchdown pass early in the game that uh, kind of got you excited. Um, you know, to Burks, that was a, a really explosive play. And you were yeah. thinking like, man, like they might be able to get into something. Uh, but unfortunately, Georgia's defense was really locked down. They really put the clamps on the running game. Rakeem Boyd just couldn't get anything going. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you were kind of hoping that that long touchdown pass would open up the running game, but it never really did. Um, Georgia still kind of forced uh, Felipe to beat him and he, he just couldn't. And, you know, Felipe's got some arm talent. And, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, got size size. As well. And size. Burks is a really talented receiver. But, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, it, it just wasn't enough. The Georgia defense was a little too much for him. Yeah, you just got to think if, like, Dan Mullen couldn't get him to be, like, a average or decent quarterback then, I mean, it's probably, like, a big deal because, I mean, he, he does pretty good with just, like, 
medium or average quarterbacks. Like, look how good Carl Trask looks now. And he, he definitely didn't start out that, that strong or he definitely wasn't recruited that high. So um, just uh, not looking good for Felipe Franks right now. All right, other games. Um, Alabama won hole, but the box score does not look like a typical Alabama box score or the final score. Um, I, I love to see when Alabama – Beats teams 45, they score 40, 50 points, whatever it is, and they'll usually get up that much in the, in the first half, like 30, 35 to 3 in the first half or 35 to nothing in the first half. But what I really love about Alabama is they never let the pressure off in the second half. They always play through the end of the game, and their defense like has a lot of pride in it to not give up any points. But uh, giving up 19 points in Missouri, I mean, yeah, they still won, and it was, you know – convincing but that's not what i'm used to seeing from alabama uh giving up 19 points to no uh, i mean it was kind of in garbage time i mean they scored 13 in the fourth quarter but you know you know i mean yeah alabama's gonna close the game stronger than that um but sometimes i just wonder if saban wants to give up a play or two in the fourth quarter so yeah something to about all week but (laughs) Like, yeah, I think Alabama's yeah, defense sure. is gonna be fine. I mean, their front seven, their pass rush was relentless in this game. Um, they're a really solid unit this year, and um, I think Alabama's defense is. Uh, I don't know if they're quite on Georgia's level, but they are really talented um, and have some really explosive players um, coming off the edge. Um, but I thought the story of this game was actually Mac Jones. Um, he he's really been getting this kind of unfair label as like a Greg McRoy type quarterback or a game manager. Um, he made some really good throws in this game. He's a really uh, explosive player in the passing game. And with those receivers, um, I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, I'm not really too worried about him. I think he's, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have a big season for Alabama here. I did like to see, obviously, uh, Jalen Waddle have a big game. He had 134 yards receiving the two touchdowns i always like to see my boy Najee harris uh do well he almost had 100 yards but three touchdowns so good for him uh, i didn't get to see this but hoping you could comment on bryce young coming through in garbage time because he's supposed to be the next best thing at alabama and supposed to be very explosive do i think dual threat uh what did you, did you get a chance to see him you know i was not watching game? this game at all um once i'll or I think they were up like twenty one nothing, like real quick, and I kind of just stopped watching. I was uh, watching the Tennessee South Carolina game, and then I was watching the Texas A and M Vanderbilt game because those games were closer. Um, Alabama, as good as yeah. they are, they are kind of boring. Um, you know, once you see like this first <laughs> cold touchdown, Always. it's kind of like you know, okay, great, but like you know, so uh, so no, I did not get yeah. to see that unfortunately. Um, but I- well. Next week they'll be playing A and M, which yeah. you know, I'm sure you'll be more focused on the majority of the game. Yeah, definitely will be, and we'll uh, you know, just like I said, I think Mac Jones is the guy. I think Bryce Young got in the game just kind of as a, you know, please don't transfer type thing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But what's the ruling this year, though? Isn't it like you like nobody loses? Yeah, nobody's going to lose eligibility. I don't. I'm not entirely clear on what they're going to do about the scholarships, though. So they may just yeah, say like you know, know oh well out. you can have like ninety five scholarship players next year or ninety or something like that, which means you're still going to have to, you know, get rid of some players, but it's not going to count against anyone's eligibility. Yeah, 
I mean, it's a good year um, to, to play football, I guess, especially for like somebody like Bryce Young. I mean, they had the rule where you could play like what up to four games and still uh, keep your red shirt. But I mean, shoot, he can play like every game now with the garbage time and still be a freshman or redshirt freshman next year. I, I don't know if it would be counted as a redshirt. I don't know if it'd just be like a regular freshman. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, I was actually thinking about like Matt Corral because, you know, he played a little bit as a true freshman, but that was like the first year of the four game rule. And now with this year, like yeah. he could potentially play like six or seven <laughs> seasons at Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, especially if you get like some kind of medical like, I mean, that's, on top of that. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. All right. Last game we haven't talked about is Tennessee, South Carolina. Um, I'm sure this was. Well, I don't even know if there is like a main team. I get main TV. I guess the bottom TV of the two TVs would be the main TV. But I'm sure this is the bottom TV. Um, JB was watching it with you, and uh, tell me. I mean, JB's not here, but tell me how he was during the game. Was he um, pessimistic? Was he like, "Oh man, we're gonna. This is our year final." Well, I I would say cautiously optimistic is how I, I feel like he was. I think he expected Tennessee to win the game. Um, you know, I, I think that he may have been sweating a little South Carolina drive. Of course, they came right touchdown, you know, right away. Um, but uh, for the most part, he was pretty calm. Um, he, he was definitely getting a little nervous um, when Tennessee was punting at the end of the game because South Carolina was going to get an opportunity to uh, have that last-minute drive. But, you know, as I'm sure you saw, um, the uh, the Peter play did not work on the punt return and ended up being a uh, – um, not the punt returner, but someone else in the return team who was trying to throw a block because um, the punt was not fielded, and then Tennessee recovered it, and uh, South Carolina was out of timeout, so they just ran the clock out. And uh, that was unfortunate because I was really looking forward to that last-minute drive. But, uh, you know, Will Muschamp is always going to find an interesting way to <laughs> So you're, you're telling me after watching this Tennessee-South Carolina game, Tennessee won um, close game, I guess. You can't tell me if either of these teams are like horrible, going to be good, average, or any of that. You have like no like sense of where the well, two, I don't, two teams are going to go. From I just here. don't feel good about South Carolina, honestly. Like, I mean, honestly, as soon as they named Colin Hill the starter, um, you know, I just, I just don't feel great about that. I mean, you're talking about um, a coach, the offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, got fired from Colorado State last year. And then he's going to bring in his quarterback to, and then they're going to run an SEC offense. Like I just, I just don't feel good about that. And then the running back, of course, gets hurt in the preseason. Um, you know, the first drive they look good. They, they look good in spurts. Obviously, Shaw Smith, uh, the receiver, is is you know one of the better receivers in the conference. But man, it, it was. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it's hard to be optimistic about South Carolina. Um, it really is. They, they did put up more points than I expected them to, but. Um, it's just – it's really hard for me to get excited about this team. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I feel you on that one. It's not looking good for the uh, Firewheel Muschamp uh, fire campaign right now. I'm sure there's like a firewheelmuschamp.com. I don't know if you – I wonder if there is yeah, one. There has to be one. It's right? definitely there's a hashtag like trending uh, Saturday like. night, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's we'll a shame because, you know, they've got all these highly recruited players on offense, but they can't, like, you know, really put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they're still, like, they're every year they're, like, top 20 in the recruiting rankings. They're, like, 
number 15, I think usually sometimes like top 10, but like, I just, I don't know how, but they do it every year and have like the same, like six win, maybe seven win team every year. It's just uh, kind of crazy. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the, we covered all the SEC games. Let's talk real quick just about some of the other games around the country. Um, Texas, Texas Tech. I mean, man, this is just not looking good for the no defense Big 12. No, and the Big 12 uh, as a whole just is really looking terrible right now. Um, you know, Texas really should have lost this game. I, I'm still not entirely sure how they pulled it out. They were down by like uh, 14 points um, with like three minutes left in the game, and Texas Tech got the ball, and they still managed to Texas Tech, or Texas still managed to win the game. Uh, I'm not really sure how that happened, but uh, you know, it's. It's good for Texas and it's good for Big 12, I guess, because Texas looks to be their really only playoff contender. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully for the Big 12's sake, Texas can figure some things out. But defensively, they look uh, just as bad as they were last year, if not worse. Do we expect a, uh, Oklahoma to run the table now? I feel you know, like I don't. Uh, I think the they're going to lose another game somewhere. I don't know um, when it's going to be, but. Uh, I do expect them to lose another game, um, you know, whether it's Texas or whether, you know, it's Iowa State or someone like that. I mean, it's just uh, – they just don't look good right now. And defensively, it's, it's the same story as Texas. I mean, you know, they keep changing defensive coordinators and it's, it doesn't help. Like, they just – they don't play defense. Yeah. I don't know if you are familiar with the transitive property, but um, it was a big transitive property – Saturday for Memphis with uh, Kansas State beating Oklahoma, which Arkansas State beat Kansas State, so Memphis beat Arkansas State. So that means yeah, Memphis I'm surprised like the that uh, the Big, Big Ten doesn't century. add them. I really wish they would actually. Yeah, I wish the Big Twelve would uh, would Big add them to what? the conference. <laughs> yeah, I mean they basically are a Big Twelve team. Like, way they play offense and. Like, they just think defense is optional. So, now, although sometimes I feel like their defense might be too good for the Big 12. Yeah, I just, don't, uh, I, I just don't understand it, like, at all. I don't know how it's so bad. Yeah, and I don't know, like, when you compare the other conferences, like, I don't know how the Big 12 can compete with the Big 10 or SEC or even the top ACC teams with the way they play defense, um, which, I mean, we'll see. I guess there's not – it doesn't look to be, like, a college football playoff team coming from the – Big 12 this year, but uh, we'll see. It's still so early, so early for a lot of these teams. A um, couple other games we'll talk about. Um, I do like to talk about the former Memphis coach, Mike Norvell, at Florida State, just shitting the bag completely and just uh, throwing it in, mailing it in for this season. Uh, don't have a good quarterback, I guess, is the reason. But, man, uh, giving up 52 points to Miami. Uh, in fairness, Miami's offense does look great, but – it's not looking good for Norvell, but on the flip side, Miami and your boy Manny Diaz is looking great. And uh, I was also trying to reconcile how you have a soft spot in your heart for Manny Diaz, uh, even though he left. Um, he left Mississippi State twice, actually. I know that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, Dan Mullen for Miami, right? Dan Mullen saved uh, Manny Diaz Georgia. from obscurity two different times. Um, I still remember when Manny Diaz got fired from Texas um, as the defensive coordinator back when Mac Brown was there. Um, it's crazy to think that uh, Mac Brown and Manny Diaz are now both finding success in the ACC and Tech still trying to get their lives figured out. I I have no clue what to make uh what to make of Texas. Yeah. I mean that's got to be just some kind of like a culture problem. I don't know, but uh yeah, I mean Manny Diaz. Um, I do 
you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I like him or I have a soft spot for him, but you know, I definitely respect him as a coach. And I think he, he, I think he has been a good coach and I think he got the short end of the stick at Texas when he was the defense coordinator there. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to see someone, or it's good to see a defensive coach be so active as far as like changing offensive staff uh, and try to be more innovative um, and to bring in Derek King was huge. Um, and then on the flip side, Mike Norvell, I mean, I, I mean, what can you even say? I mean, Florida state is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, He's obviously he, he had COVID, so he didn't play or he didn't coach. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably, you know, he <laughs> probably could have played. Right? He probably would have been better than Blackman was, but uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, James Blackman's been at Florida State and he's been starting since like his freshman year and he still has not managed to uh, figure anything out. Um, he's, I mean, he's just kind of abysmal. I mean, uh, I feel bad for him because he's played for so many different coaches now, but uh, just has not improved as a player at all. And he looks completely yeah. lost out there. You know, I, I do still think Mike Norvell is going to turn things around, uh, but sort of like Texas, I feel like it's almost like a culture problem now. Like well, it isn't even like the coach. It's the problem whole culture bad yeah yeah they they definitely need a new coach uh quick funny story the wedding i went to sunday um the bride's dad (laughs) was i don't know if he's a florida state grad but i think he went to either went to florida state and dropped out or whatever but he's a florida state fan so like um i've seen him a couple different times hung out with him a couple different times and talked to him about florida state and then uh asked him on uh sunday when i first saw him before the wedding, I was like, man, I'm sorry. Sorry about Florida State because I knew this was like after Miami destroyed him. And then I talked to him earlier, like the week before, about Georgia Tech just beating Florida State when they shouldn't have beat them at all. And he was he was making a comment about, yeah, they um, they talk about how good uh, Blackman looks in practice and from the practice reports, but like, I don't know what yeah. the hell they're saying because he looks I mean, like shit in games. Funny, but it's kind of sad at the same time. I mean, and, He's he's one of those guys. He was highly recruited too, so obviously yeah. he looked. And he, I don't know when. I mean, he's he's tall, and I guess yeah. his arm is pretty strong. I guess that's really all you need to be highly recruited. But uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think quarterback rankings are like very either very subjective or very like you can't you can't place a high priority on on them because you've seen a lot of quarterbacks, five star quarterbacks, just never turn out to be great, and a lot of. Like no no name three star quarterbacks end up doing great like Kyle Trask or Dak Prescott obviously it's a big one and Paxton Lynch for Memphis even though he sucks in the NFL but um, it's just it's it's a whole different ballgame. No, it definitely is and uh, five star yeah. rankings. I, I hope for Florida State's sake that they get some things turned around. Um, it also doesn't help that the team they lost to the first week got blown out by Syracuse, who's terrible. So yeah. Yeah, and another thing about the bride's dad is he's also he was also a Falcons fan. We were watching we were watching the Falcons game on Sunday before the wedding together, and like he he left after I got like a pretty comfortable lead, like twenty six. I think it was twenty six ten against the Bears, and he was he's saying like, all right, well, I think we're good, but like you never know, like you know how much we we gave up last week, so like I guess I'll be watching. And like later after the wedding happened. He found out later that the Bears like came back and won, and it's just like, man, I yeah. feel bad. It's, for uh, it's a pretty bad combination now. right now, for sure. All right, last last question slash games we will talk about are 
the two group of five teams uh, that are kind of, uh, I guess, leading the pack for the rankings, UCF and Cincinnati, both had pretty good wins. Um, Cincinnati's, I guess, a little bit better because they beat Army uh, pretty convincingly or by 14 points at least. Um, do you have a feel for which team is better? And I'm kind of excited as a Memphis fan for the American to get a little more uh, coverage this year. And, like, hopefully we'll have, you know, both those teams undefeated when they play each other. And maybe Memphis will be undefeated too if they ever play again. But um, I'm excited about the American Well, I mean, teams. the main yeah, thing that stands out to me is teams. Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he's, like, he's really good. Like, I mean, he's uh, – you know, he's got so much touch on his passes, and I guess maybe just because he's left-handed, it, it just, like, looks cooler. But um, he's he's a really good player, and I, it's been really exciting to watch him. Yeah. He was 32 of 47, 486. And uh, yeah, runs the ball, too. Yeah. I mean, they're just a really explosive offense. Eight. I know it's East Carolina, but, um, you know, they're – Yeah, they're, they're I mean, they a really explosive a team. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati, to be able to shut down Army's – uh, triple option like that is obviously really impressive. Um, you know, offensively, they're not nearly as exciting as UCF is, but defensively, they're a really, really solid team. It will be exciting. They, I'm looking at the schedule now. They do play each other, hopefully, fingers crossed, on November 21st. So it'll be a good, exciting game. That could get game day just because uh, both teams could be undefeated. Um, you look at Cincinnati's schedule, they do play Memphis and um, I don't know if Houston's good. It's kind of hard to tell because they, a lot of teams haven't played um, that many games. Houston hasn't even played a game yet. And then uh, Central Florida, I don't know if they play Memphis this year. Let's see real quick. They might. They do. So, and, then, you know, they could both very well beat Memphis. They um, are definitely ranked higher and look better, I think, for the most part. Most people probably predicting the win. But that'll be a good um, group of five matchup later on in the year if they're both undefeated and, Looking great for that game. So I'm yeah, definitely. I mean, well. I think the American is setting up to be really exciting this year. And, you know, just like I said, hopefully Houston can play a game at some point because. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, they uh, they just rescheduled the Memphis-Houston game for like December 5th, I think, which would be the the typical SEC championship weekend, but not this year. I don't know if it's right. the same weekend. I think it's a little bit later. So, well, we'll see. Any final words before we uh, call it a night and – 623 yards. Week two preview. 623. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can throw a stat out to you. Um, yeah. I I don't think I can top that. Um, I can just say. Uh, yeah, that's enough for me. Vassier smoke. That's all I got for you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll do a uh, week two preview podcast come up here shortly. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.